This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. It is the first episode that I recorded in the new studio that is in my basement. I think this room was supposed to be a den or something. I turned it into a studio. It is beautiful. And yeah, everything went so lovely. You'll notice how amazing the audio sounds. I got new equipment, new microphones. I've wanted these microphones forever. They're like $500 each, so I never bought them. And finally, I was like, you know what? New studio, new equipment. Let's do it. You will see the audio sounds amazing. But because I messed around with the cameras and I was fiddling with them, like charge the batteries, obviously I had to set them up in this room so that they were on us. The freaking video is blurry. I am so annoyed, but I'm not surprised because this has happened before when I moved around my cameras and played with the zoom on it to do a solo, the video was blurry too. What's irritating is that it doesn't show that it's blurry when you're looking in the little screen on the back. Like it looks crystal clear. And then you record for an hour, put it on your computer, and it's freaking blurry. Caroline, my sister-in-law, is a photographer and she was like, do you have the autofocus on? I'm like, I have no idea. Like I just set it up and I start fiddling with the little things at the front that you turn to make it go zoom in and zoom out. That's all I know. I don't touch the settings. I don't do anything. I should really be watching YouTube videos and learning how to use my cameras properly so that this doesn't happen again. I think she's going to teach me how to set up the autofocus. So hopefully um, from now on, there's some clear videos coming out of this little studio in my basement. Anywho, I love when the guest episodes are very recent. So I recorded with Ariana yesterday, Wednesday, and this episode is going to come out the following Tuesday. So I love that because everything we're saying is very recent and we're telling like recent stories. Ariana is someone that I met a while back, probably like a year and a half or so ago. I don't know. I can't do the math. We met at a mom event in Burlington and this is what happened. I was the only one that was speaking at the event that was from out of town. So I was about an hour and a half away from the venue. Everyone else kind of lived in the area and there was a big break in between the day session and the evening session. And 
and everyone was going home, like meeting up with friends, like doing stuff. And I was just kind of like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like sit in my car and twiddle my thumbs. And Ariana was like, do you want to come to my house? I'm just going to feed my twins. Uh, She was very pregnant at the time. And I was like, sure. So I literally just got in her car. This is like an example of when I did talk to strangers and get in a stranger's car. She seemed really nice. So I got in her car. We went and got pizza, went to her house. And then we've been friends ever since. So being that or given that I moved to Guelph, she lives in the area. I was like, you have to be my first guest in my little studio. So I'm really happy that it worked out. She has an incredible birth story that I knew her boys spent time in the NICU, but I had never heard the story start to finish. So we get into that near the end of the episode. We also talk about back to school. We start off with Housewives chat, which franchise is the best Housewives franchise. So we we kind of you know, dive into our thoughts on that topic, very important stuff. And then we talk about our kids swearing at us and being in these situations where something happens and you literally don't know how to react. It's a problem. And I'm planning on doing a couple episodes with Dr. Tanya Kotler about this topic, like the restraint collapse and how to handle it. And, you know, when Milo swears when he knows that it's a bad word, how do I, how am I supposed to react? Like no reaction? Like what am I supposed to do? Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Ariana's Instagram is at Ariana Christie Joy. No, is it Ariana Joy Christie? Yeah, it's Ariana Joy Christie. Follow her if you don't already. And yeah, enjoy this episode, guys. Okay, so on my Instagram stories yesterday, last night, because my sister texted me and she's like, I'm going to start a Housewives franchise from the beginning. Which one should I watch? So when Milo was born, I fell into a reality TV, like <laughs> the best binge watching. <laughs> and I was so determined I would watch Hey You every night before I fell asleep on my phone, like a, like a weirdo in bed. And I started <laughs> all the, fr- like most of the franchises from season one, episode one. Amazing. So I did, I think the first one was New York, which oh. like is huge. There's so many so many. Yeah. Do you want to know the craziest thing? Yeah. So everybody knows I'm a reality TV junkie. Yeah. And you saying that you started when you had Milo just makes me think, why do they not advertise to pregnant people? Because that's when I started like binging reality yes. TV too. Because I used to watch it a lot, but you didn't have that much time when you're like working and out yep. and about and whatever. But how many hours do you spend breastfeeding where I'm twiddling my thumbs like, yeah. I need something to do. Yeah. That's how I started watching. You're at home with a newborn. Like even if you're recovering. Yeah. You're sitting like watching. You want shows to watch. Yes. So yeah, I I did New York, which was great. And then I did Dallas. I did Salt Lake City. Those were shorter. Which are also really good yeah. though. And then I did New Jersey. Caught right up like not too long ago. Caught oh. right up to the end. So good. So I was thinking about it and I'm like, hmm, like, is it New York or is it New Jersey? Like, that's where I went. I didn't even go to Beverly Hills or the other one, Orange County. Love Orange County. Maybe because those ones I I watched when they first came out, I was kind Mm. of keeping up with them. So that was a long time ago. Whereas New York and New Jersey are fresh in my mind because I just watched the whole series recently. True. So... 
I find, okay. So anyways, here's the whole thing. I, I put up a <laughs> poll and I was like, I told my sister New Jersey after thinking about it. And I was so jealous that she was going to get to watch it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I put it up and I was like, do people agree? Yes or no? And I am shocked and aghast <laughs> that people don't agree that New Jersey is the best. Yeah. So I said, you know what, guys? I got sleep last night and I am going to write a thesis on why <laughs> New Jersey is the best. Because even you yeah. messaged me right away and you were like, no, Beverly Hills. Yeah, because immediately I pressed no. So the thing that I was going to say that the craziest thing is that I'm a huge Real Housewife fan. I've never watched New York. Oh. So ever. I just had to ever. <gasps> I know. I tried watching it from like kind of mid, like one of the middle seasons. I just couldn't get into it. So that's like one of the only ones that I've never watched. That's wild that wild. you're such a Housewives fan and you've such never a seen fan. New York. Yes. Okay. So wild. So that's just like a little precursor to this. But immediately I saw your story and was like, no, this like not New Jersey. Because in my head, when someone is like, what's the best Real Housewife franchise? I always say Beverly Hills. And why? Because the drama is amazing. I would say the outfits. Like I, I was just about to say the clothes are good. This is why I like watching that franchise mm-hmm. is like the outfits, seeing what they do, like their lifestyle. Because for us living in Canada, I feel like that's New York is very similar to Toronto, mm-hmm. New York, New Jersey. Like it's very similar. Yeah. Whereas it's almost like we get to look at a different life that's very glamorous for us. I was going to say like the glam squad, the hair. Yeah, it's like totally different. Dorit is always in something new. Yeah, like amazing. it's, I love that. I also think they include families a little more, which I like. And there's more spinoffs from Beverly Hills than there is from anything else. Vanderpump. Vanderpump. Okay, let's be also, honest. Also, like, Kyle's that's... whole family has a... Oh, yes, yes, Like yes. there's more things going on. But Vanderpump, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's like the yeah. ultimate. Um, <laughs> the ultimate. The ultimate. Yeah. So, okay, here's why New Jersey is the best. Okay. Okay. The family dynamics of New Jersey mm-hmm. is unmatched. Yes. And it's so, especially lately in the newer seasons of Beverly Hills and Orange County and mm-hmm. stuff, it seems fabricated. Fair. And I can't remember what it was like when it first started, but those people are already like well-established some of them are celebrities, whereas New Jersey, it's it felt like regular people, mm-hmm. and it was more like honest and real life, especially because they had the family. I think it was season two or three where Melissa and Joe were kind of introduced, mm-hmm. and so Melissa is Teresa's sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. There is still drama. Between the families, which like, okay, it's sad, but like, if we're looking at it from an entertainment perspective, (laughs) (laughs) which we are, like, I'm sorry this is happening to your family, but (laughs) yes, yeah, like thinking back to what was it, the baptism, who was it, Joe's son or Teresa's? I don't remember, but there was a baptism, yeah, whole family fight, like, yeah, it was nuts. And then on top of the family is the husbands, yes. I was going to say on t- like the baptism, but also jail twice. The whole, oh my God. Yes. Two the, people going to jail. Yes. Like also just so much family dynamic mm-hmm. that you're then introducing other friendships and relationships. But you're right. The men being involved is kind yeah. of icing. On so like the, the New Jersey <laughs> husbands could have their own show. Like they are literally, I don't know about the earlier seasons, but definitely in the later seasons. Yeah. Like the past Gorga, three, like. Frank, like. 
they are as involved Bill. in the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As the wives are. And they all have careers. Like, it's not like these guys are like... Moms. Yeah. They're not like doing this. They just genuinely like each other and they're hilarious. Like, you almost have to include their content in this show. Yeah. Because it's so good. It's the only Housewives franchise where the husbands are so involved. They yes. will do whole scenes of like the husbands getting together on a Saturday night. And like, it's they like all want to hang they out. They just yeah. film the husbands. Yeah. So that's, that's my thesis of <laughs> why New Jersey would be the best one to start with from season one, episode one, watch it through. It is shocking and it's so, 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 so good. It's great. If you had to like all of a sudden enter as a cast member to one Housewives, oh, where would you go? Okay. Immediately, I was thinking Atlanta, but that would be way too much drama for me. Like yeah. there's drama and then there's whoa drama. I kind of think Salt Lake City. Yeah. Because I love the environment. I love the vibe. I love all the things that they do. It's like a little more chill in terms of like outings and hanging mm-hmm. out and the vacations they do. Like it's fun, but still so much drama. But I feel like you could just be like a fly on the wall a little bit. Like yeah. there are characters that like sit back. Just befriend someone. And, and it's kind of nice. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I was going to say Beverly Hills just to be friends with Vanderpump, but she's not on the show anymore. I know. So. <laughs> she's like, yeah. No. I don't even know. But I love Kyle. I'm a big fan. Did they get divorced? Are they together? Yeah. Okay. How is that a thing and now it's not? Are they together? I don't know. I feel like as soon as there's smoke, there's fire. Is that the saying? But like yeah. all those things started coming out and then they were like, no, we're fine. Like yes. we just had a rough patch and now we're fine. But I don't know where it stands now. I have no idea. That's a good question. Are they filming right now or is it done? I thought they were filming. Which was why I was thinking like, oh, we're maybe going to see some of this drama in. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if they're, they're together. I really like Mauricio, though. Me too. And I love them together. Yeah. Like an OG couple. Like so good. Kids. Yeah. Family. Businesses. I know, but you also have to think like so good in real life or so good. I like to believe cameras. it's real life. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. So I don't know. Maybe. I must find out. I'll, I'll think about which franchise I want to. Okay, good. Because <laughs> um, I know they're going to call me right away as soon as I disclose that information. <laughs> okay, so now that we got that out of the way and I proved my point and <laughs> wrote my thesis, school, this is Milo's first day of school. We're recording this in the morning yeah. on Wednesday. Your boys are not in school, but they started, so their daycare is, they're off for the summer mm-hmm. and then they go back. So it's basically like a whole other school drop off they have different teachers so what was your were you nervous to drop them off like how did it go yeah so back to school is like a hard transition for everyone I feel like for parents and for kids and also good I was like reflecting on it the other day thinking like you kind of have this excitement like oh we're getting back into routine which is great for me great for them great for my youngest too Mm -hmm. but at the same point in time it's like nerve-wracking and scary because it is the school calendar they're off all summer they're used to being home with us. And now all of a sudden they're not for five days a week from 8.30 till 3.30. So did they bump up in a class level or something? Yeah. So okay. they go to Montessori school. It starts with toddler class. And this year they're in CASA. So it's more like like they have activities each day. They do French twice a week. They do yoga mm. and music once a week. Like they really, they have learning periods where they're actually. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's a little bit different for them than the toddler room. It's new teachers, like you said, and it's fostering even more independence than toddler class was. 
So it's a big change for them. And I was super, super nervous, more nervous than them. Yeah, for sure. I think like part of the transition for me was explaining to them beforehand. So I was like showing them their new things, telling them how the day was going to go. It's nice because their school has an orientation day where you go with them the week before. So we all went. My mom and sister came. Callie came with us. My daughter, my husband came. So it was nice that they had all the people that they love that make them feel comfortable in their new space. And I think that that helped Mm -hmm. with the transition for sure. You guys had an orientation too, right? We had orientation. So nobody knows this. And my mom was like, don't tell people that Milo's going to private school because everyone's going to hate you. My, I think she's like a little bit disturbed about the Reddit <laughs> comments. <laughs> How could you not be? I mean, <laughs> I like, I rough. I find joy in those and it actually like, <laughs> I'm glad. it like gives me life. I don't know. Good. It's, it's like, if people aren't saying things like that, then you're not ruffling any feathers and you're not, you know, doing anything worthwhile. So to me, it's like, okay, whatever. But my mom was like, oh, as soon as you say Milo's going to private school, but everyone knows I was debating between public school, private school, our whole like French immersion debacle. Like it was a whole thing. Yeah. So we didn't get into the schools in our area that we liked, like the public schools. So we were like, we fell in love with this one school and we went with that for this year and we're going to see how it goes. And yeah, whatever. But we did have, so yesterday was our orientation for half the day, which was great. And then we kind of lucked out because we signed up recently. It's not like we knew in the spring that he was going to go to this school. We've been to the school twice in the last two weeks. Yeah. He got to see his teacher both times. He got to like tour the whole school. So that really helped. It wasn't like we did that in the spring and then we had a whole summer and then all of a sudden he was going back. Yeah. So we lucked out. Our drop-off this morning was totally fine. I was so nervous about uniforms because, put it this way, he was going to school in costumes last year and, like, pajamas. And (laughs) I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to get dressed. And it's been fine so far. Amazing. Similar to you, like, I was showing him all the stuff. I let him put his Mabel's labels, like, on all his stuff so that he felt like he was involved and he knew what was going to happen. And... I think talking about things helps them prepare. Even if you can't go somewhere, like let's say the dentist, I would show him pictures of the office online. Yeah. I would watch YouTube videos. We always YouTube like, whatever we're prep, going to do. Prep. Like I was telling my friend, she was nervous for her kid to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. Watch YouTube videos of kids getting on the bus. Yeah. Like it helps so much so for much. them to prepare. Yeah. Because then they know what it is. Like if they've never seen something like that before, they've never seen this classroom before, how can we expect them to just be totally cool going into it? We get nervous in new spaces doing new things and they're children. So yeah, I think doing anything to prep is so helpful. And I think that helped us a lot this year. Mm -hmm. I remember like ordering, you can order like kids little dental tools and they can play in your mouth and asking him like, oh, like we're going to go see the dentist on Friday. Like how many teeth do you think you have? Because he's going to count them. He's going to count them. And like this whole rigmarole, same thing with like, if your kid has never had a haircut and you're going to go to the hairdresser, watch YouTube videos, like explain what's going to happen and like get excited about it. And yeah, so we kind of have been doing the same thing for school this year because we knew it was going to be a different experience for him. Mm -hmm. Our drop off today was totally fine. My husband did it. Totally fine. Amazing. This school, it, it's, you don't get out of the car. That's wild to me thinking about that because yes. I like to walk them in selfishly. Like I want to see what they're yes. doing. 
But I almost think that that's kind of better. Yes. And I will explain why. Okay. I was nervous about it too. I'm like, oh, that's not going to fly. Mm-hmm. Like for kindergarten, I would park, walk him to the classroom. Yeah. But then they linger. They latch on to you. If they're having a rough yeah. drop off, it like becomes a whole thing. Yeah. And it's hard to escape. Very. So this school was like, oh, you just pull up and the teacher helps if they need help unbuckling like they'll get them out of the car wow. and take them and I was like oh my god this is gonna be a nightmare he he went no problem I don't know why my mind just went here but do you ever feel nervous like what if my car is a mess and the teacher's opening the door and oh my god like, I never thought of it but now th- that's in my head my car <laughs> is just like no I clean it every week I clean yeah. it more than anything else no matter what it's a mess because my children eat in the car yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the second they get to a place, if they're not done, they throw it on the floor. Yeah. Yesterday, there was ice cream in our car. Yeah. So now that's in my mind for drop off. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I would be like, oh, my gosh, I have to keep it in pristine condition. But I was thinking about <laughs> like when we have a little bit of a drive, mm-hmm. usually we will give him his tablet. And even that I was thinking about, I'm like, oh, are they going to think you just like put a tablet in front of his head? But like, to be honest, his classroom has a massive, like big screen TV. Oh, great. I think nowadays, like because screens are prominent in life, they teach life skills. So they teach that. You're not going to get through life without using a screen. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. But it's funny that you said the car being dirty. I've <laughs> I never thought of that. Thought of immediately. that. <laughs> I'm like, no, not the car. They open the door for you. <laughs> yeah, like, no. Oh, my God. <sighs> so what was your, because we dealt with restraint collapse. Definitely when Milo did his week of camp, mm-hmm. that was, we were like, oh, he's going to go to camp. He's going to be exhausted. Like, he's going to come home, have dinner, go straight to bed. It was the complete opposite. It was one of the hardest weeks. And it's weird because like you were saying, when you would pick them up last year, they would just start crying immediately. They saw me and lost it. And I feel like that's common when they're younger. Mm-hmm. They, cause I remember when Milo was not it was during COVID. So before COVID happened, so he would have been like just over a year. Yep. That's when I would walk into the daycare to pick him up and he would just start bawling. And the teacher explained to me, because I was like, oh my God, like I feel bad. Because as a parent, you you want them to be excited and happy Run to up see to you. Yes. Yeah. You see videos of that happening. You're like, what's wrong with yeah, yeah. Like, why are you crying? Do you want me to leave? Like, yeah. but it's the complete opposite. The teacher explained to me, even though I should know this because I have a degree <laughs> in psychology with a specialization in attachment. But anyways... <laughs> Minor detail. Yeah, minor detail. Um, she was like, you're his safe space. So he's been bottling up all his emotions and they're not able to fully be themselves like because they're not comfortable in their new environment yet. And so when you come to pick him up, it's like the floodgates open. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to cry. Yeah. But I find at an older age, like Milo's age right now, it happens later in the evening. Usually, like, yeah. when it's bath time and bedtime, bath. like, no, a switch flips, he loses it. Yes. So, our twins were the same. So, my, they were in toddler class last year. So, they're two and a half now. Last year, like you said, immediately, they'd see me all the way from across the classroom. Mm-hmm. I'd enter the door and immediately cry. And it wouldn't stop till we got home. Like, it was wild. And I would say to the teacher, like, do they hate me? Yeah. Like, do my children just not like me? Like, it was this terrible feeling you're irrational when you're in that kind of headspace, I guess. And 
So that was so hard for me this year. They were so excited. It's only, this is day two people. Yeah. So it's not like, there's no pattern yet, but they were so happy to see me when I got there. They were playing in the gym on their little cars when I got there and they didn't get up. They wanted to keep playing. Yeah. Like they didn't even That's the best to feeling. Go home. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're comfortable. Things are good. But you're right. In the evening, not Axel, but Oscar was just at bath time. He had this massive meltdown and I didn't know what to do. I'm like feeling so bad. Like once we finally got him into bed, I was in my bed bawling. And I'm like talking to my husband saying like, obviously he felt uncomfortable today. He didn't feel like he could express his emotions. Now he is and I can't support him. And you know, you just start spiraling. Like I felt so terrible and so bad. But I do think that once I kind of started thinking more rationally, it's part of the transition. They have such big emotions and they don't have the tools yet to cope with them. Mm -hmm. And it's hard as a parent to just want to be like, listen, like, it's okay. This is what's happening. Like, everything's good. You're loved. We're here. But for them to understand that at all times is really, really hard. So I think I'm trying to switch my mindset to give them and myself more grace to just be able to feel how they feel to say it's okay to cry for a little bit. And to try to talk through it more instead of it being a meltdown that we can't control. And I feel like we're all so wired to be like, there's a negative emotion, shut it down. Yep. Like, I don't want this happening. Like you want to fix it instantly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's the same thing like with relationships. If I'm in a bad mood, it's like my husband's trying to fix it. And I'm like, it's not fixable. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's not fixable. Just let me. It's the same with kids. Like we're allowed to have these feelings. That's like when I'm feeling super anxious, sometimes I have to just remind myself like, okay, like it's just your body trying to tell you something and not to like try and shut it down or like waste time thinking like, oh, like why am I feeling this way? Like this is, you know, I just want it to stop. And it's the same with them. But as parents, they're having a restraint collapse moment and we're trying to help. But I don't know how it is with your boys at two and a half, but now at Milo's age, if he's having a hard time like that, we can't even, because I always remember someone, and I don't know if it was Mr. Chaz, he was saying like, in a moment like that, they need connection. Mm. Like that's what they want is connection with a loved one, like their parent. So then you try and offer that and it escalates the meltdown or the emotions that they're having. And so I'm like, okay, well now I'm in between a rock and a hard place because I can't give him connection or like even be near him because he'll escalate. Mm. But then if I give him space and leave him, now I feel guilty for not trying to help him. It's totally, it's like you can't win. There's no winning. Yeah. And there's no, like, for me, it's hard to see the end at that point. Like I'm like, oh yeah. I can't do anything. Like probably four times last night, I looked at Mike and said, what do I do? Like I, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. If I hug him, he doesn't want to be hugged. If I leave him, he doesn't want me to leave him. If Mm -hmm. I do what he says, then he doesn't want that anymore. And then also he's sometimes trying to, he knows how to prolong then the bedtime because he wants to spend time with you. But it's like, if I keep giving into those things, then it's a cycle. And are you like creating... Bad habits because then he's wanting to go downstairs. Well, we're already like we've had a bath. We're in our bed. We're not now going to wake up again and go back downstairs. Like, you know, and it's that constant. Do I give in because I know then it will make him 
feel better and I want him to feel loved and happy? Do I have firm boundaries because that's important too? And and then I just feel like crap. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. So speaking of all this like restraint collapse meltdown stuff. And it's funny because that has probably happened like a handful of times. And I know that I struggle with it. And I, but I never actually sit down and like formulate like, okay, why am I having a hard time with this? Like what is happening? And so once I like organized my thoughts about it, I was like, I need to get Tanya 
on the podcast to talk about just this topic and like, what exactly do we do in this situation? Because, Mm -hmm. and I I, like, I'm going to explain to her, like, I'm going to be like devil's advocate because if you say like, we should do something, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if I tried to do that. So now what do I do? You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's what's missing in a lot of parenting content on how to manage big emotions and stuff is like, Mm -hmm. Okay, but if you try that and it escalates, now what? Like you're so right cuz sometimes I follow a lot of these like parenting like whatever accounts and and I try to use the strategies that they're showing and a lot of the time it's a kid melting down, it's them using some type of strategy and then the kid does it and is happy. And I'm like that is not how it goes in my Yeah, head. yeah. I try, doesn't work. I try again in a different way. doesn't work. I try again. Now he's screaming even louder. I try again. Now I'm losing my mind. Exactly. So it's like, and then that's not helpful for anyone. And it's like a vicious cycle. Like sometimes things like that work. There's one, I don't know who I saw post this, but it was a reel that I saw and I use it with my children and it works a lot of the time because they need to regulate their breathing. They need to just like calm down, but they don't have the ability to do that themselves. So we blow out the candles. So I, they'll be crying. I'll say, are you ready to blow out the candles? And sometimes it takes a few asks and then I put my fingers up and they blow out each candle. And if they're not doing it, you know, taking a deep enough breath, I'll say, oh, that wasn't hard enough. You like, these are big, big candles and they'll blow out the candles and that helps calm them. And that's a technique that we use often. Hmm. Sometimes it's more triggering for them. And I don't know which time it's going to be good and which time it's not going to be good. And that's the thing is that a strategy that might work 90% of the time. But what do you do when it doesn't? Exactly. Now what step do I take? And I don't know what that is. Okay. What would you do in this scenario? I was going to tell you this earlier this morning, but I I wanted to tell you what happened (laughs) on the microphone. (laughs) So yesterday was the orientation day. We had a great day. I was with him the whole time. Mm -hmm. We came home. Everything was great. We got dressed. Like we changed out of our clothes. We went to Walmart, got stuff for his party, came back home. We were playing this thing where I was being the baby and he was like putting me to bed because I was fucking tired yesterday. (laughs) That's a great game when you're feeling tired. I was like, where do you want mommy to sleep? He's like in my bed. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll be the baby (laughs) and you. And yeah. So anyways, genius. That was that was that's what was happening and then all of a sudden so he's downstairs like getting his party bags for his friends ready and I go downstairs I'm sitting on the couch and oh I got these little Mario figurines and they were in like a packaging Mm -hmm. for his the gift bags and he's like can I open this and I said no like that's for your friends that's that's going in the gift bags you cannot open that and then he's like playing stuff and then he asked me again I said no you're not opening those he opens it anyways. Okay. Mm. And so I didn't even have like a big reaction because I know that that will just like set him off. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Like mommy asked you not to open those and you didn't listen. Mm. Okay. And mommy's going to tell daddy, not that daddy would do anything, but like, I'm going to explain to daddy, like we might have to go to the store now and get another one. And I think Sometimes it's almost worse when you don't have like a, you know, reaction and you explain it and then they feel bad. Yeah. Because then I could tell like he felt bad, like he knew that he shouldn't have opened it. it. So I'm sitting on the couch. I was just editing some stuff and he goes, just put on my fucking show. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) Oh, 
<laughs> oh. Like, what did you just say? Like, yeah. again, I'm trying not to have like a big reaction. What did you just say? And he's like, put on my fucking show. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't even, this is one of those situations where I'm like, yeah. holy shit. Like, what do I do? Did you laugh? Because immediately no. when my children swear, I cannot. It caught me so off guard. Like, nobody's talking. I'm editing my little fucking videos. <laughs> Just put on my fucking show. I'm like, and he said it like three times. I was like, you do not oh say that gosh. again. Yeah. You say that one more time. You're going to go to your room. Mm-hmm. I was like, we've had a really good day. Like, I don't know. I, w- I was like, you asked mommy if you could open that. I said no. And you didn't listen. And now you're upset. Mm-hmm. But like, what do you do? I don't even know. Okay. Like, I, I don't know Immediately, either. I would do what, like what you said. Like, that is not okay. That's not what we say. And this is not what we do. I think it's really good that you went over the steps of what happened. Because he's you probably went- trying to think that too. Mm-hmm. I'd probably try to validate the feelings. I know you're feeling upset or angry okay. or embarrassed, maybe. Like in my immediate reaction, it feels like there should be some type of punishment. Yes. But then that's what I'm struggling with right now because mine are only two and a half. Yeah. What punishment works? I can't what put them in do? a timeout because I feel like I would have got a bar of soap in the mouth. I would have for sure in a little spank. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Big. I ever said that to my dad yeah. when oh. I was little. My mom would be fine. My dad. Like not going to happen. Bad news bears. And it's funny. So I just, was it, what day is today? Oh, so tomorrow my episode with my mom comes out. Mm. We were talking about parenting like then versus now. And she, that's like one of the things that she brought up. Like she's like, I feel so bad for you parents oh, today because yeah. you can't fucking do anything. You can't do anything. Nothing. Literally nothing like and and I was like you're so right I said sometimes Milo does something that's the perfect example yeah and I'm fucking frozen because I'm like what do I do like I want to smack him but Mm -hmm. no I'm not gonna do that okay so I will just sit here frozen like a deer in headlights because he told me to turn on his fucking show and I don't know how to react and I'm the parent and now that I'm not reacting now he's gonna think he can keep doing that (laughs) Right? Like, that's the thing is that. Like, hold on, Milo. Forward. Let me go read a book and figure out how I'm supposed to <laughs> respond to this. Pause here. <laughs> Chapter 12. Yeah. Like, I no, know. It's it's so difficult. And at the same time, I don't want to be like, that's it. Get in your room. Like, I'm bringing him to his room and yeah. make it a whole big fucking thing. Because at the end of the day, that happened. Eventually, he, oh, then he started because I wasn't having a reaction to him swearing. Mm-hmm. And he started throwing the packaging that he took off at me. Because he's looking for a he reaction. He wants me to lose my mind. And so I closed my laptop, walked upstairs, which I can do with him at this age. Yeah. Walked upstairs. And then eventually he, like five minutes later, came upstairs and he was totally fine. It was over. So mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm always like, do I want to ruin the rest of the day? I know. But then it's like, is that, like, it shouldn't be like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be upset. I don't want him to get upset. I don't want it to be a whole thing. Like, so you just don't do anything, but I never know what the right thing to do is. That's where I'm at right now. And my husband and I talk about this a lot because he's like, you just got to go through with it for like a few weeks, like be more strict and more stern for a few weeks. And then they're going to start to understand that those things don't fly. Yeah. Like hitting or kicking or biting. Like those were things that we were going through with them recently. But I was like, but then my whole night is ruined. 
And my other thing to that is I have a younger child that needs me. Like I'm still breastfeeding Callie. So I can't have a child on me screaming for three hours when she has to be fed every three hours Mm -hmm. because it's physically impossible. So then what? I have to leave my home with my baby to feed her because I've decided to be strict with my son who can't handle it. Like I don't know. That's something I'm struggling with a lot right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right answer is. Maybe you should sit in on my interview with Tanya. Can I? I'll just sit in the corner <laughs> and listen. Like, it's like free help. <laughs> I need it. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Give me more. Okay. Before we run out of time, I wanted to talk about, and it's funny because I met Ariana. How old were the boys? I was pregnant. You were pregnant with Callie. With Callie yeah. So they were maybe. A year and a half. Yeah, 18 months. Yeah. Okay. So I have actually never heard the story about your birth with the twins. I know more about your birth with Callie. Yeah. But they are quite different experiences. So different. So let's talk about the birth with the twins first Mm -hmm. and kind of how that, which I didn't know, but you told me that that was kind of like the, the thing that started your social media Mm -hmm. stuff yeah yeah so yeah so it's wild to think about I think about it often because it was so life-changing was it did you do IVF no oh okay so So every time someone has twins I'm like did they do IVF always the question I always is it natural so I did not ever expect to have twins ever it's really wild but we found out we were having twins we kind of got used to the idea, I guess, a little bit. But I think you never know what it's going to be like till you're in it. But with twins, they often say they're going to come early, right? Like full term with twins is 37 weeks. Mm. I had combined care. I had a midwife and an OB because I had opted for a midwife when I found out I was pregnant. And then when we found out it's twins, you're automatically deemed high risk. Oh, I didn't know that. And so you cannot have a midwife. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the midwifery clinic that I was a part of had a good relationship with one of the OBs in town who I absolutely love and I could have combined care. So I did have appointments with both, which was really nice because it was also a pandemic. So my access to anything was very small. And so having those extra appointments actually were really, really helpful. But my birth was what I would say quite traumatic. Did they induce you? No, I went into natural labor at 33 weeks and four days. So really early. And my OB had always said to me, you got to make it to 34 weeks because 34 weeks is when their lungs are fully developed. Before that, she wasn't even sure if I'd be able to deliver at our hospital in town. I'd have to go to a specialized hospital because they would definitely need extra care. So I always had in my mind, okay, 34 weeks, 34 weeks. I always measured really big, which... Apparently is a controversial thing having big babies because everybody assumed there would always be complications with big babies. Everybody always assumed that I had gestational diabetes because I had big babies. It was like this big thing, which I didn't. Like you mean when they did the ultrasound, the babies were big? Always measured large, always over the 99th percentile for both pregnancies. So my boys were born at 33 weeks, five days, and they were five pounds, 10 ounces and five pounds, 11 ounces. Which like some full term twins. Milo was six even pounds. Big. Yeah, so like I, I had huge babies. I just make big babies, but I didn't have gestational diabetes. Thankfully, like some there's so many factors. Did you deliver in Guelph? I did deliver in Guelph because I was so close to that 34 week mark Ugh. that they were like, okay, basically what happened? I 
was losing my mucus plug. I had never seen blood in my entire pregnancy except that night. And it was like two in the morning. You know, at that stage of pregnancy, you're going to pee like Mm -hmm. 17 times in a night. So it was like not normal for me to be awake in the night. But I saw blood and I was like, oh, this is weird. And then that mucus plug. So I kind of was like feeling fine. So I went back to sleep. I'd had Braxton Hicks my whole pregnancy. So it wasn't abnormal for me to feel crampy or tight or anything like that. And it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I woke up. It's a pandemic birthday. I can't do anything. I'm so uncomfortable and so pregnant. And I had actually just had an ultrasound where they kept me for like three hours because they were trying to get a hold of my OB because my cervix had shortened and they couldn't let me go. So I wasn't on bed rest, but I was on modified bed rest. So like my daily activity was walking to them in my driveway. <laughs> Terrible. So anyways, my birthday, I'm like feeling a little bit weird. I remember texting a friend being like, I'm not sure if this is contractions or not. Just like time them. And they were like really close to each other and very consistent. And I felt a lot of pressure. So I called my mom who was coming to watch a movie with me because that was the only thing we could do for my birthday. (laughs) I was like, I don't think you should come because I think I'm going to maybe go to the hospital. Like I think I'm feeling like really like I might be maybe in labor. I didn't want to like believe it or say it because it was so early. So my friends are dropping off like McDonald's and Starbucks and all my favorite stuff. And I'm like, guys, I'm leaving. Like I'm not, I'm not at home. So I called my midwife. They were like, no, you're not in labor way too early. Called my OB once I started timing the contractions and she's like, come to the hospital. So I went in, Mike couldn't come with me because it's a pandemic. Mm. And also in triage, they only let one person go, I think. So they were full at triage. Like there were no beds. So my OB was so amazing. She like opened a closet and made like a makeshift room to check if I was like dilated and in labor. She's like, yeah, we're going to check you in. So I think I was like three centimeters. So this was an emerge and not in labor. This was labor and delivery. Oh yeah. And they had no rooms in labor and delivery. No, it was like a really busy day. Oh my God. Lots of babies. So finally we got admitted. Mike was able to come in. We're in a room and they gave me a couple of steroid shots because the boy's lungs were not developed. Like because it was so early, they want that to be in your body for a while for you to be able to for them to be stronger, whatever. So yeah, went in, I was in labor. They, it was a really busy day at the hospital in labor and delivery. So they were trying to kind of prolong me. I think a lot of it's a blur, I think, because it was so scary for me. You know, I couldn't be, my mom couldn't be there. It was just Mike and I, we had never experienced something like this before because it was twins and they were early. It was high risk with twins. You have to deliver in the operating room. You don't deliver in a labor and delivery room. Vaginally as well. Vaginally as because well. Because it's high risk and they assume that Just you in could. Case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they really strongly recommend you having an epidural because of the same thing. They don't want to have to knock you out if you have to have yeah. a C-section and then you don't get to see your babies or meet them. So I had my epidural. They, it was the worst experience of my life. The that was the worst part of giving birth. The me. worst part. And no one talks about this. Everyone's yeah. like, give me the epidural. I want to feel nothing. You feel everything for the epidural. Like it feels they had to do mine twice. So this happened to me, I want to say four times. And the freezing didn't work a bunch of times. So the freezing was awful. Then they couldn't get it in. And I'm like, my husband tells me I was screaming in agony. Like I could not handle it. He was getting so frustrated because she kept missing that like I had this amazing nurse and she came and actually grabbed Mike, set him down, was like, just wait here. And she held me because it was just so terrible. 
So anyways, I had an epidural, tried to sleep for a while. It was, they were really pushing me off because they wanted me to be the last birth of the day because they needed all hands on deck. They knew that the babies were going to need extra care. So they needed, you know, a person for each baby. They needed the OB for me and she has her people. And so there were a lot of people. We ate my birthday cake in the hospital. We relaxed, hung out, tried to sleep. Mike slept. I did not. I was just like all in my feels, I think, and just Mm -hmm. so nervous and scared. And then they say, okay, it's time. So we go into the operating room. It's like these huge bright lights. Mm -hmm. So many people, like it's a pandemic. I haven't been around more than three people for months. And there's like 20 people in this room. So the intention was that you were going to push... Yes, I really wanted to have a vaginal birth. And my OB was so great with me in trying to achieve that. She was like, we're going to try everything. Because I know a lot of people with twins are like, just have a C-section. Let's just book a date, induce you, or or just book a C-section. But I really wanted to have a vaginal delivery. I did. But both boys were sunny side up. So their head is up instead of down, which is a lot of back labor. And they can get more stuck. So Oscar was really, really stuck. So I pushed for three and a half hours. Mm. And my contractions at that point, because they had pushed it off for so long and because he was taking so long, were just so weak and so far apart. Like I was pushing like four times per contraction and then nothing for like five to 10 minutes. Like quite a long time. And so just was waiting there a concern about him being stuck and them being under stress? I think so. Yeah. It, one of the nurses was looking a little more concerned. My OB had been on like a really long shift and she had just been out of birth. So she was like falling asleep in between contractions, standing up. Like she would close her eyes in between every contraction because she had no energy left either. And I was like, I've got nothing left here. I was getting hot and cold and hot and cold and I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I remember looking at her and being like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know how I can physically do this anymore. And so I did have an episiotomy. Mm. She was like, I think I can maybe just cut a little bit if that's okay with you. And it will help. Like, he's really stuck. So had an episiotomy. He came out. And it took me 17 minutes to push Axel out after Oscar. I didn't know the sex of each baby. So it was really exciting to hear, like, it's a boy... Mike told me I wanted Mike to be the one to tell me if it was a boy or a girl. And then immediately, they, like, there's no delayed cord clamping because they're, they can't breathe. They don't have lungs that are developed. They're, like, way too early. So I looked at him for, like, maybe three seconds and he was – Mike cut the cord and then he was taken away right away. Like, I don't even think I really this got time. Oscar. This was Oscar. Oscar. And so they take him to, like, another space. Like, I can kind of see them around him, but I can't see the baby. So I immediately was like, Mike, go. Like, don't stay with me. I want you to go with the baby. I need to know that my baby's okay. Also, you're feeling like terrified because your baby's taken from you. But I was feeling so empowered that I just pushed a human out of my body. Like, it's this huge mix of emotions that I just didn't even know how to feel. Mm -hmm. But then you're ready to push the next one. So I did feel like a superhero. Like, I just gave birth to a human. I can do this. So 17 minutes later, I pulled Axel out of me. Like my OB was like, Ariana, your baby's coming. And I, there's like a picture of me like pulling down and pulling him out onto my chest. It was like the most empowering moment of my entire life. That's crazy. It was so incredible. And then he came out and his mouth was, I have this picture ingrained in my mind, but his mouth was open and no sound was coming out. And I was like, 
is he okay? Is he okay? Like I can hear myself like saying that a million times. Mike cut his cord. They took him. And then I was like, go with him. And then we got taken out. So like our babies were gone. We got wheeled back to our room and I didn't see them for quite a bit. Probably just a few hours, I think. But in that time, like a few hours is like, those are your bonding moments that you're like for nine months have been dreaming about. And I just so badly wanted to see like, what do they look like? Who are these human beings that I've been connected to? They were separated from themselves or from each other. And I was thinking like, they've just had like all this time together and now they're not together. Like they need each other. Do you know what they were doing for them? So they were running every test possible, but also they both had CPAP like the oxygen machines to breathe for them. They had to put feeding tubes in them because they couldn't feed. They were taking their blood, doing their bilirubin, like all of those things and just making sure that they could breathe ultimately, I think. Mm -hmm. Connecting them to monitors, putting them in incubators. So it was wild. It was like such a, I just wanted to see them. Mm -hmm. And because you imagine holding the babies, you see all these people online holding their twins. Like I followed a million twin accounts because I didn't know anybody that had twins. And then we finally got wheeled in to see them and they were both in opposite ends of the special care nursery. And just like you couldn't even see their face. Mm -hmm. Like I remember seeing them and just feeling like I can't even touch them because I might break them. Like they're full of medical equipment. Yes. Like I had one finger touching their finger and I was just like And you just want to hold them. Yeah. So we were able to hold them that evening. But for a short period of time and for a long time I just thought like can I even change my baby's diaper like Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I could even like touch them let alone take care of them they couldn't breastfeed they could not even take a bottle and so you really are just watching people take care of these humans that you just birthed and because it's a pandemic my mom couldn't be there no one else could come in on day three or four of life Oscar was having a lot of troubles they call it food intolerance and they thought maybe he had an obstruction. So they took him to another hospital and we couldn't go with him. So to McMaster in in Hamilton. So Axel stayed at Guelph. Oscar went to McMaster and they have him in this little like travel, like incubator thing that they take into the ambulance and you can't go. They were like, you can't go like, because of COVID, you can't go in the car. And anyways, they wouldn't allow you to be in the room until he was all hooked up and all the tests were done anyways. So don't even drive behind the ambulance. Just go get lunch, wait a few hours and then go. And I was like, do you think that I can honestly eat something and relax while you've taken my child? Like it was this wild feeling and he was there for 10 days. So for 10 days, they were separated. And so I immediately asked to be discharged so I could go and see where he was going. And once you're discharged, you're not a patient anymore. And during COVID, you can only have one support person per patient. So Mike and I couldn't go with each other to see the babies. And I was like still bleeding, like not able to, I think I had like 15 stitches, like I can barely move. And I was driving myself back and forth and we were passing each other on the highway because I never wanted a child to be alone. Weren't allowed to sleep at the hospital because COVID. So like we would go home and I would just like ball in bed. I talking about real housewives. So you guys were sleeping at home. Yes. Axel's at a hospital in Guelph. Mm -hmm. Oscar's at a hospital in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. 
And only one person could visit them at a time. So you can't even be like with someone. Can't be together. Like I had nobody supporting me. Exactly. Even though they all wanted to. Like my brother and sister would be waiting in a car outside the hospital for me. Wanting to take care of me. But I'm just wanting to be at the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, Mike wants to just spend time together because he knew that my healing was important. But I just like couldn't even think about being anywhere except with them. It was the craziest time. I remember him even calling my mom and being like, I don't know what to do like with me. Yeah. Cause I was just such, I don't even remember those things. Like we talk about it. I've obviously been to therapy about it, but I couldn't even, I don't remember. The thing that blows my mind is there's so many different situations that happen. Like the only thing that we're exposed to and that we expect to happen is you go into the hospital, you give birth and then you stay there for a little bit and you go home with your baby. Mm -hmm. Like that's the expectation. That's what's in everyone's mind. Yeah. When in reality, there are a million different ways that that will play out Mm -hmm. and there's zero support. Zero. Given. And this is for like anything that happens in like pregnancy, like having a miscarriage, like, Mm. you know, having kids in the NICU or like your situation being separated from your kid. There's zero support. Zero. Which blows my mind. And in COVID, it was 10 times worse. And there's still no support offered. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible. Like when I think back to some of the things that happened in terms of support and like we expect people to breastfeed. And so your kid can't latch. Your kid can't even breathe barely. So they can't eat. So they tell you, okay, you have to pump this many times a day for this long. Make sure that you're doing it. Otherwise, your milk supply won't be in. But also take care of yourself. But don't take care of yourself too much because you have to get sleep, but you can't get enough sleep because you have to make sure that you're pumping every two hours. Like it's an absolute mind. Mm-hmm. And to me, the only thing that I could control was pumping. So I was wild about it. Like I never missed a session. I remember my lactation consultant was like, you can't sleep through like it's okay. You need to get rest. And I couldn't. I was yeah. like, because you're like, I'm going to so do so rigid. Yeah. That was the yeah. only thing I could control. So I was like, this is how much I'm producing. This is what I'm doing. And it was like day five of life or something for the kids, day five postpartum. And I was at McMaster and I needed to pump. Mike was at Guelph with Axel and it was my time to pump. I had driven over and I was still getting used to the timing of everything and going back and forth. So I was past my time that I was supposed to have pumped. So it was like really important to me to do so. And I was looking around for like, where can I, is there like a pump room or somewhere that I can go? Like what, where can I go to pump? They had taken all the chairs and couches out of the hospital because it was COVID. So nothing like there was literally nothing. And I remember sleeping on my pumping bag the first night that we were there on the floor of the hospital because there wasn't somewhere to sit and Mike and I couldn't go in together. That was the only time we went to that hospital together. Like it, there was no support at all. And I asked a nurse, like, is there somewhere I can pump? Because they had two pumping chairs, like blocked off by a curtain and they were both full. There's like 20 babies in each room and there's only two spots for you to pump. And I was like, is there a spot that I can pump? And she's like, sorry, no. My boobs were exploding. And nobody was like, let me problem solve for this girl who I 
could not advocate for myself at that point. Mm-hmm. I was in a completely different headspace. Like in my mind now, I'm like, why didn't you just say no is not an answer? This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. With anything, like this is not even just like with regard to postpartum and stuff like mm-hmm. and there's this power dynamic in Canada when it comes to healthcare mm-hmm. because it's free and because we're ingrained like it's like so many times people will go see a specialist and they're like they have a terrible experience but they don't feel like they can ask to see someone else because it's like you're lucky you even got in to see this person it's so true yes and it's not like it's not right not at all. And we, we like we feel like we should be grateful. Like I'm always feeling like I have to justify why I want to get anything done. It's like you want blood work for this. Like it's there's a weird power imbalance. So I can see where you went in and then you were just like, okay, like you feel helpless. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Or trying to get information about my kid. Like I remember calling and no one could tell me the schedule of my baby. One time I went in to see, I had just gone and seen Axel and now I was going back to McMaster to see Oscar and to drop off my milk because I was bringing breast milk back and forth. You go in and you have to call. So you press a button and then someone answers, who are you here to see? And then they let you through the door. And I'm like, hi, I'm Ariana Christie here to see Oscar Christie. And she can't find Oscar Christie. That's comforting. I literally was, um, like I almost fell on the floor. No one could find my baby and they're not allowing you to be there with your baby the whole time. So like you have to leave. So I'm thinking like what it was just the absolute worst feeling in the world. He had been moved. So they have different like whatever rooms of NICU babies and he had been moved to a different stage, but I didn't know what that meant. So I thought he had gotten worse, not better. And no one could answer me. And then his nurse was on lunch. And so... I couldn't see a nurse to talk to and whoever was covering for her didn't know anything about him. And I just was like, when's the last time he ate? Has he had his diaper changed? Is he okay? Why is he in this room? No one could answer questions. It was just the worst time when, during the best time. Like, How it's so old weird. were they when they could go home? Was Axel home first? Was So they came home together. Thankfully, I've heard many times of one twin going home before the other. And I can't imagine that because having them in two separate places was just absolutely terrifying and they came home the same time and it was exactly one month from when mm, they were in so long to be doing that kind of life and not to, like I bitch and complain about having to bring Milo to his family doctor appointments totally when he was like three days old I was like are you fucking kidding me like I'm bleeding like I can't sit down properly so uncomfortable and you had a month 
mm. of driving to Hamilton, to Guelph, like to see. And I think the hardest part was just that it was alone and not because people didn't want to support, but because you weren't allowed. COVID to. adds a different layer. Exactly. But like, I wouldn't minimize what you went through. Yeah. Like, you can't say like, oh, like COVID, like, even yeah. if it wasn't COVID, like that's mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah. Because my friend had her baby in Toronto and they were just talking about her baby having to be sent to another hospital. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she still has like, like, that's a big, yeah. like, she was so upset and struggled with that for a long time. Just like the thought because I I don't think she was with her in the same room they had to take her somewhere for a little bit like that was upsetting to her and it's like stayed with terrible. her for a while it does and then there's no support offered so if you're lucky None. enough to be able to get in to see a therapist to be able to pay for help mm-hmm. that's great but it should be something that's like built in to the system and that should be recommended like not one time did anybody tell me hey I think you should maybe go see like, a therapist how are you except doing? my husband like yeah. how like how do you feel it's so messed up so messed up it's it's absolutely terrible to think back now and then also to have like sometimes I feel embarrassed when I say oh my experience was traumatic like I had a traumatic no, birth don't be embarrassed and because one midwife I said to her this is a whole other story but I switched midwifery clinics for both pregnancies because of my experience with my mm-hmm. first midwife and I had gone back when I got pregnant with Callie to this midwife and I had said to her, because I had a quite a traumatic experience and she almost laughed at me, like my experience was not that bad. And I just, the reaction to this day makes me so angry. Yeah. yeah. Because, and a lot of people, like, I think it's just, it's not a term I use loosely at all, but that experience to this day affects me. A lot. For sure. And so it was traumatic. It's the most vulnerable of time. Like for a mom, especially that has given birth, Mm -hmm. like there's nothing more like it's you're like you said, like you're not in the right headspace. Not at all. And I just kept thinking, like, what did I do? It's my fault. Did I eat a strawberry that I didn't wash? Did I walk too much that day? Did I do too many laps to the end of my driveway and back? Yeah. Like, why did I give birth early? And a lot of times people will ask me, oh, why'd you go into birth so early? Why did you give birth so early? And that question to me hurt so much for so, un- really until I went to therapy. Because I thought, what did I do? It must be my fault. My body wasn't capable of housing and growing my children for long enough. Like it's, and you should never think that way. Mm-hmm. But probably if I never went to therapy, I to this day would think that. Mm-hmm. No, right? I'm sure there's lots of women that carry so much. Yeah. I think a lot of people go through situations like that and they don't process what has happened mm-hmm. with a third party, like a therapist or something. Because it's inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Oh, it really sure. is. Yeah. Like, thankfully, I had funds to be able to pay for that. Mm-hmm. But it's all out of pocket. Yeah. Like, why is there not support for that? You just went through something You would think that, like, something like that happening, like, the moment that they were taken away and you guys were wheeled into another room, there would be, like, like a counselor in the room with you guys. Yeah. Like, that's how it would work. Like, if somebody, I don't know how it works for, like, major accidents or something. Like, if someone's in, like, a major car accident and they're in the hospital and, like, is there help? Is there any kind of help given to them or, like... 
somebody loses someone, like a grief counselor, like mm-hmm. there needs to be something in place, like a whole separate thing in place for parents. Like new I parents. could not agree more because it was, yeah, like even thinking, I often think of what happened, but I don't always reflect on the feelings of it. Mm-hmm. So talking through this even now, it's like, that's just so wild to even think that we went through that. And then to think that you go back to life being normal. Like I remember being at home and probably for six months after bringing them home, every time I walked down the stairs, I thought I was going to drop one. Mm. Every time. I imagined them being on the floor. Like the anxiety that I had afterwards was so awful. I'd be holding them and think, oh, they're going to fall. For Like I don't even know how or why, but obviously our brains work in a certain way. And again, thankfully I could talk to my therapist about it, but it was like all consuming. Like I always thought something was going to happen. I woke up all through the night for months after thinking, are they breathing? Mm. Like the amount of times I had my hand on their chest or my ear on their chest. I put those little outlet monitors on them every night because I I couldn't sleep without them. If we went somewhere and forgot one, we were driving back home to get it because I couldn't have them asleep without that on them because you spend a month of them with monitors on. Mm-hmm. How do you then go home and think everything's going to be okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, even with just like a, a, a regular, yes, like people are paranoid. So I can't imagine yeah. the, like the level of worry. Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> see like... I had never heard that story mm-hmm. and I knew that they were in the NICU. Like I've seen little things of your content here and there. And I was like, I've never actually heard the whole yeah. story. Okay. So next time you come on, like now she lives nearby. So yeah. obviously you can we come anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause I do want to hear Callie's whole yeah. home birth. I've never shared her birth either. Yes. Like I, I want to hear yeah. that as well. Cause it's a completely different experience. It's so different. Home birth natural birth. Yeah. So I think that would be a a cool story to share. Okay. And then also on a future episode, I want to talk about marriage post kids. That was on my list too. That's a huge topic for me right now. Um, before we finish, I listed out just some fun questions that I like to ask people. Okay. So question number one, Oh boy, like we are chatty Cathy's. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the just first hanging out. <laughs> the first question, if you had to be on any reality TV show, not Housewives, what show would you be on? Is it like Big Brother, Survivor? Like what what's the vibe? Below deck. As what For job sure. though? An observer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like a guest. No, maybe like a stew. Stew, interesting. Because I always think, like, I watch that show and I think, oh, that would have been so fun. I always bartended during, like, my undergrad. This is where we differ. That time in my life. I loved it. And I traveled. I loved to travel. So combining the two mm-hmm. and getting to experience that. And also just, like, not having any care in the world except being on that boat. I would love that. So this is where we differ because, honestly, <laughs> being a stew on below deck is my worst <laughs> fucking nightmare because I would love we've it. We've talked about this before. I waitressed for six <laughs> months of my life and that is the worst job you could ever put me in. And Ariana's like, I loved it. It was my best job. That was the best time. Uh, yeah. And so many people are like that. They loved waitressing and bartending. To me, I don't know what it is about me as a person, <laughs> but like I hated it. And so like being a stew on below deck is times 10 because you're constantly serving the same people and you're yeah. doing like a million 
different serving things. I would love it. If I had to have a job on below deck, I would be like the people outside. What are they called? The deckhands? Oh, yeah. Like, I would be that person. I would rather, like, scrub a boat than, like, serve people. (laughs) Oh, my God. Total opposite. Oh, my God. Okay. So, glad we got that out of the way. (laughs) Fave, fave. I wrote short forms on my notes here. So, favorite meal. Oh, my favorite meal. This is weird. So, my dad is Indian. My mom's Dutch. So, I love Indian food. Mm -hmm, Me, too. One of my favorite Indian things they have for breakfast a lot I think paratha or my what dad used to call it bronte but it's like stuffed roti and I like gobi paratha so it's like shredded cauliflower mixed with spices you saute it and then you put it inside the roti roll it out put it on a pan I'm gonna make it for you yeah please. you will love it I did not know your dad was Indian yeah he was born in Punjab what the heck yeah <laughs> I know like I did not know this yeah that's, That's why I look nothing like my mom. That is wild. Yeah. Okay. Milo's dad is also Indian. Huh? <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Funny thing is that I knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you knew that. Um, okay. What is something that you always have to have in your purse? Chapstick. Mm, always. Same. I have a nighttime. Which chapstick? Oh, it doesn't matter. Not oh. But my favorite is, but it's never in my purse because it's a little bit bigger. This is like my bedside table chapstick is the Earth Mama nipple butter. If you use that as chapstick, it is life-changing. Interesting. Best thing ever. Mm -hmm. Your celebrity crush. So not as a child, but as an adult. Uh, As an adult. Like, who do you just, like, love? I know who I love. I would say I'm obsessed since I was a child, but to this day, David Beckham. Love. I was, like, a soccer player when I was a kid. So that's, like, my jam. Also, Michael B. Jordan. Those are like my top two. Okay, so mine is I have this like weird thing about Joe Jonas right now, and he's getting divorced. And I was like, oh my god, did he see me at the <laughs> concert? <for> me. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been that. Yeah, my husband doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can say whatever that Good thing. I want. Um, yeah, so like Joe Jonas, but I've heard in real life they're really? so short. I don't even find him good looking. No, I just like I have don't... this weird thing about him right now. Weird. I think it's because I'm obsessed with their songs, and I just okay. saw them in concert. So, so it's like, like top of mind. Yeah, like I'm like you know a little bit. Um, That's so funny. So yeah, like weird thing about Joe Jonas. Lo- I'm obsessed with the Jonas Brothers music right now. Like so obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Ryan Reynolds. Oh. I love Ryan Reynolds. Like, if, if somebody was like, okay, you need to marry a celebrity right now. Like, because he's hot. Ryan Reynolds. And his personality. He's like a kick ass dad. Mm-hmm. He's like the best husband, like, from what I know, like, from what I can tell. Yeah. Like, so funny. Like, oh, just like down Did to you earth. watch him on the My Next Guest is David Letter. Yes. That was my favorite episode. Yeah. So good. Love him. Ugh. Obsessed. Mm-hmm. Love him so much. Okay. Your dream job. If you were like, gonna retire from like doing social media and like real estate and stuff and you were like you know what I'm gonna spend the rest of my years doing something that like would be so fun and fulfilling and what would it be I think because Mike and I talk about this sometimes about like what will we do when we're not working Mm -hmm. and I really love our community you know I'm a big Guelph fan I think I would just be more involved in volunteering with the nonprofits that I like to support but in more of like an in-person capacity yeah I used to like I always thought I would be a social worker I really loved doing that so I think going back to volunteering in roles that I used to when I had time for children would be like my yeah 
when we talk about what we'll do, it will be that. Another thing I would love to do, like dream, dream job would be to run travel groups, like organize a trip. My mom follows this Facebook account. That's like women in their later years, like around my mom's age that travel alone and they make big groups and they go on these massive like Italy for seven Mm. days or whatever it is. And there's the, the person that runs it plans everything out, like sets a price for every single person to join. And then it's like a whole itinerary. They do like cooking classes, like all this stuff. Amazing. Yeah. That's what I would love. Yeah. Because like our honeymoon, I feel like everybody should go on. Like if I could just provide that to everybody. Like package a trip. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. It it kind of aligns with what I want to do, which is be like a travel review person. Oh, yes. It's like I'm obsessed with that. Like I... If I go to a restaurant, like I want like a detailed review of like the service, the food, Mm -hmm. like the everything. If I like go to a spa, I'm obsessed with like spas and hotels and resorts. And I, oh, I'm such a fucking, like, because I'm so high maintenance, I think. (laughs) I like can critique and tell people exactly how to make it more appealing to people and like a better experience. Like I would love love to do that. Thousand percent. Better do it. Everyone's like, you're starting another account. I'm like, this is for my retirement. This is what I'm going to do. Okay? <laughs> well, I liked when you guys went up to that all-inclusive. I was like, oh, I oh, yeah. lived for those stories. Yeah, The exactly. towels being in what place. Yes. And those are key pieces of information that you would like 100%. to know. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's simple. Like a yeah. hotel should hire me, be like, come here for a week. And I will lay out like everything that you could change simply to make your customers or you know, people have a better experience. Heard it here first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just putting it up there. <laughs> if there was my sister's FaceTiming me, like <laughs> if there was a spaceship, I asked this to the, the the skincare guy and I was like, this is a fun question to ask everybody. If there was a spaceship that was like leaving tomorrow and they were like, you could go on and like go to space, would you go? Sometimes I think about this <laughs> because there, you know how Sometimes they were I saying that this. people could go to space? Sometimes yeah. I really do think like, would you? I don't think I would go. I wouldn't go. Because what Fuck if you that. don't come back? Yeah, like, what's the point? Like, no. There's probably not a lot to see. It's probably, like, no. dark and, like, who cares? Like, no. I'll watch a YouTube show. Like, yeah, that's kind of how I think. Okay. And then my last question, we already... Who's your favorite housewife, though? That's so hard, but I think Kyle Richards. What is it about her? She's hilarious. Also a really good time. And I think that she doesn't... She's not, like, so high maintenance like everyone else. Like, sometimes they'll go on a trip and everyone will have glam except her. But she always still looks great Mm -hmm. and doesn't really give a fuck. Also, it might change if I know if they're together or not. But I feel like she's very Mm family-oriented. And she, like, really cares about things that are important. I think some of the housewives are fun to watch because they don't give a shit about things that are important. They just care about, like, their outfits, which is really fun as a consumer. But not so relatable. I like Melissa Gorga a lot. I do like her. I feel like she's always right. She is. Like, she's always right. Like, I take her side on everything. She, well, it's really hard to take Teresa's side. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. But, like, yeah. she just seems to, like... Like, if I was going through what she was going through, I would probably react and do everything the exact same way. Like, her thoughts. Like, I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah. But, yeah. I like her. Okay. Well, this was fun. Yay, Do you thanks. enjoy podcasting? Yeah, it was okay, nice. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you'll have to come back. Yes, I will. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.